Welcome back to another episode of American Football, the British Way. I'm your host, British, like the people. And then there were eight. We are down to only eight teams left. We have just completed wild card weekend last weekend, and oh my goodness, the upsets, the turmoil, the distress. Uh, and that was just me. Everybody else felt it too. <laughs> no, but seriously, uh, there were some crazy games last week. A lot of fun, a lot of heartbreak, good times for some underdog teams winning. Let's go. Let's talk about it. What do we do? In wild card week, we had several games take place over Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. We had a game moved because of the weather. We had games not moved because of the weather. And I walked outside the other day in, you know, 10 degree weather and thought to myself, oh, could I also play football? in this? Uh, and the answer was no. So shout out to teams that just do that anyway. Uh, but let's talk about it. Last week you had Browns versus Texans and the Texans got in that ass. <laughs> you know, I don't normally swear on here, but that's just what happened. The Texans destroyed the Browns 45 to 14. Um, everybody has talked about the Browns defense all season and when it mattered, they just couldn't show up. C.J. Stroud destroyed them. He did whatever he felt like doing. It was fantastic for him. He's the youngest quarterback to win a playoff game um, ever, I believe. And shout out to him. It's exciting. I don't know if their team can make it past this round at all, this next coming round this weekend. But goodness, he put up numbies. He put up some numbies, and and it looked great. Um, And once again, this just shows that ultimately uh, the Browns got fleeced because they made this huge deal to get former Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson, and he barely played this season. And they yet still made it to the playoffs, only to lose in the first round. So, Browns moving on. You also had Dolphins Chiefs, one of the coldest games period, in the history of the NFL. Was not literally the coldest, but might as well have been. And there were still fans in there. It clearly wasn't packed. uh, But there were still fans there watching the game. And I just, I feel like I could do it. The football guy in me is like, yeah, you could do this. Just layer up, you know, wear a ski mask or whatever. But is it worth it? Let me work it. Uh, Put my thing down, flip it, and reverse it. No, but seriously, uh, the Chiefs showed the Dolphins that it's very clear that they don't know how to play in cold weather because they won 26-7. to The Dolphins' offense just couldn't do anything. They should have been running the ball. Uh, they got their best running back back. They had a nice chance to really come in and show that they weren't frauds. But let me just say, and I will talk about potentially the biggest frauds soon in, in this next roundup, I don't know if I have fully expressed to you guys how much I've been saying this entire season that the two teams in this league that were absolute frauds were the Miami Dolphins and the Dallas Cowboys. And when push came to shove, wild card weekend, neither one of them figured out how to win. Um, The Dolphins-Chiefs game was at least technically closer in a way when you look at the score, but both games were absolute trash. Uh, for the Dolphins and for the Cowboys. So Chiefs move on, uh, despite the fact that they also had a rocky road this year and they weren't the Super Bowl reigning champion-looking Chiefs. They came out and did exactly what you expect them to do is turn it on for the playoffs. Uh, Then came Sunday. It was my birthday. Uh, Shout out to me. Congratulations to me. I made it one more year. Um, That is an accomplishment in today's age, so I'm just going to pat myself on the back for that. Thank you. But uh, yeah, thought I would have a nice little time, grabbed my husband, grabbed a couple of my friends. We all went to a restaurant. Um, I don't know if you have a Twin Peaks where you are, but it's basically Mountain Hooters is the easiest way that I can explain that. It's um, ladies in little outfits like they wear at Hooters, except this time they're little plaid skirts and tops, and it's a sports bar. So we went there to watch the game, uh, and for me to hang out and kiki with my friends, uh, 
my hope was I was going to watch the Steelers-Bills game, but there was so much snow in Buffalo, New York, that literally the Buffalo Bills have been asking fans and people alike to come help shovel out the stadium so that they could play. Eventually, they got it cleared off, but not before they decided to postpone the game from Sunday to Monday. So I did not get to watch that on my birthday. What I did, unfortunately, watch was the Cowboys lose yet again a playoff game. And we can talk about in the coming weeks, or we can talk about right now, how many vacancies there are for head coach in this league. And there are a lot. Uh, And somehow, Dallas is not one of them. It doesn't seem to matter. Like you can have a great winning season, but if you can't win a playoff game, what are we doing? Something's got to change. I don't know if it's Mike McCarthy, their coach. I don't know if it's play calling issues or what. I don't know if Dak Prescott, their quarterback, is just a joke artist. You know, unfortunately, the numbers at the end of the game are going to make it seem like Dak just was running away with it, but he didn't really turn anything on until the second half. And at that point, it was pretty much too little too late. Like he threw some bad passes in the beginning of the game. Um, him and CeeDee Lamb, his number one receiver, one of the absolute best receivers in the league, just could not properly connect this game. And they still managed to put up 32 points, but it basically, you, you call them garbage time points. It didn't matter. Uh, Packers win. <sighs> really hate to say that. Uh, Packers win 48 to 32. All I wanted for my birthday was to watch them be destroyed. So hopes and dreams dashed yet again for another year. Then you had what I think was always going to be the best game. We talked about how the Lions and Rams, they had switched quarterbacks, and now the Lions have just had this exciting story because they hadn't had a playoff game at home in so many years, and this was the chance for their fans, and they pulled off the win, 24 to 23. Now, I think it's still concerning that they only won by one because I feel like they did not do a good job keeping their foot on the gas. And for a better team, that could be an issue. But nevertheless, they pulled it out and they're getting another home playoff game, which is huge for them. I will go through the games coming in the divisional round this weekend uh, in just a little bit, but it's huge for them. What really sucks uh, is capitalism. And yes, we all can benefit from it, but good golly, the ticket prices to go watch this game in Detroit are through the roof. I mean, I get that it's the playoffs and this never happens, but you almost wish that there was some way that you could cap the amount that people were able to sell the tickets for just to make it accessible for normal, regular, everyday fans. Everybody doesn't have $1,000 to go sit in the nosebleeds to watch their team play. And people are going to try to do it. They might take out a loan. They might put themselves in credit card debt because who knows when their team's going to make it there again. But good golly, like it just really... It's unfortunate. Um, Football should be for the fans. When we get closer to the Super Bowl, we'll talk about some of the Super Bowl pricing that's out there, which is absolutely astronomical. It's, you're set up for failure. I mean, or in the eyes of capitalism, you're set up to be at home watching on TV, catching every single commercial that companies and brands have paid ridiculous amounts of money to air during the Super Bowl also. So I guess full circle there for them, but for someone like me who just loves the game and wants to watch, like not really very helpful. Come Monday night, you had that game that got rescheduled Steelers at Bills. Steelers barely ever stood a chance. Um, I always thought it was weird that they decided to roll into the playoffs with their essentially third string quarterback in Mason Rudolph. Uh, especially when their first pick, Kenny Pickett, was ready and back in action uh, coming off of an injury, and they decided to just keep going with Mason Rudolph. I recognize that Mitch Trubisky, you know, former 
first round pick for the Chicago Bears was no longer an option to them. Uh, but the fact that they were ready to go with Mason kind of tells you everything about what you need to know moving into next year uh, in terms of their quarterback play. They can't be expecting that Kenny Pickett is the guy, and that stinks. It was like a good story for them. He played at Pitt, so you know they knew him very well. They could go see him practice. It was a whole rah-rah thing, only for him not to be the guy. And sometimes that happens. Um, if you're the Chicago Bears, it happens every single time you get a quarterback. So I feel your pain. But the Bills did what they had to do. They came out hot and strong. They scored 14 points in that first quarter. Um, and they also just scored every quarter. Yeah, I, That is something that we don't always talk about in this game. How really making it consistent to put points on the board every single quarter changes the trajectory of what you can do so josh allen had an amazing like 52 yard run for a touchdown and that was fantastic um, i'm really into mobile quarterbacks i think that it's a dual threat uh, and and josh allen is one of the best i'm not going to call him the best but i do think he is absolutely one of the best in terms of dual threat so the bills took care of business at home 31 to 17 and then finally um what could be considered more even than the Cowboys, the greatest collapse that one has seen, would be the Eagles at Buccaneers. Eagles lose 32-9. to nine. I'm going to just say that one more time. Eagles, former Super Bowl runner-ups from last year, lose 32-9. to nine to the 9-8 and eight Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yes, they were at home in Tampa Bay. Yes, the Philadelphia Eagles do have people that were hurt. Um, we're talking about a team in the Bucks, and this is no offense to them. Their record speaks for itself that barely made it to the playoffs to begin with. They made it because somebody had to win their trash division, um, and it happened to be them. And yet here they are with Baker Mayfield uh, getting in there and just grinding it out and winning the game. I mean, Baker threw for 337 yards and three touchdowns. And he's also hurt. Uh, A lot of the talk has been about Jalen Hurts being hurt and A.J. Brown didn't play and they're beat up in different areas. But this is a team that basically barely lost the Super Bowl last year didn't really have a bunch of changes happen on the team and came back and couldn't get it done round one. Just an epic collapse in the last five games that they'd played. Um, And what's sad is it looks like their star center, you know, a, a person who's become a truly a household name over the past year, Jason Kelsey, is most likely going to retire. So it's sad. I mean, don't get me wrong. He's a millionaire (laughs) who played professional sports and has a Super Bowl and has an extremely successful podcast and a smoking hot wife. Uh, So he's going to be okay. But it's sad to watch a player that you enjoy go out that way. Um, Just seeing the look of like disappointment on his face, truly. It's, It's difficult. And maybe it wasn't even a full look of disappointment. Maybe it was a look of, this is it. Um, th- there's no more left for me here. We're going to find out. I mean, I, I'm pretty positive that the announcement was official, uh, but he didn't really get to do it the way that he wanted to. We are living in a time where the Adam Schefters of the world uh, get to release your information about what you're doing with your career before you do. and <laughs> That's unfortunate. Um, he cucked. Tom Brady that way and Tom was like I'm gonna come back and then retire again so that I get to announce it myself and maybe Jason will do something similar where he you know gets to put it out there for himself because he deserves to um but it sinks uh however we're only getting older and you have to make room for new players in the league so hopefully we'll get another good story in the coming seasons um 
maybe another brother duo there. You know, the Kelseys are not the only brothers that play in the NFL. It was just a fun storyline to follow up on. The fact that they played against each other last year, both of their teams made it back to the playoffs this year. Um, But it was never going to be the same. And I think that that's a big part to understand about this whole thing is, you know, the story was cool, but it was always going to be difficult for them to fully run that back again for two years in a row. So this weekend, we have just two days of football, um, which, again, is sad and disappointing. But here we are. It's January. It's mid-January, and the Super Bowl is in the beginning of the month of February. So we're really getting closer. Uh, Your Saturday games... Did you forget about the one seeds? Because if you did, it's time to revitalize your thought process and think back to, oh yeah, there's two teams that are pretty stinking darn good that didn't have to play last week. And they sat the majority of their players the week prior. So the first game you have on Saturday, your 4.30 Eastern game, is the Houston Texans at the Baltimore Ravens. Now, right now I'm seeing the spread as nine and a half in Baltimore's favor. What does that mean? That means that the betting gods believe that the Ravens will win the game by at least nine and a half points. And that's a lot of points. You get six points for a touchdown, seven points if you get the extra, two, you know, eight points if you get the two point conversion. Um, So what you're saying here in a nine and a half point spread is that you think the Ravens will beat the Texans by at least two versions of scoring. And that's a lot. It's not, you know, impossible by any means. Uh, But what I think happens for a lot of people is they have a serious recency bias. So you haven't watched the Ravens win in a couple weeks right? You haven't seen them be super successful in a while. It is easy to forget they're 13 and four, that they were the number one seed, that they didn't have to play people in week 18 because they'd already locked things in. They didn't have to play in the wild card round because they earned the right to the buy. They have been curb stomping good teams towards the end of the season, exactly in the time that you need to do it. So to say that nine and a half points is too many points, I mean, uh, you might feel biased because the last time you watched the Texans play, they did fantastic. Um, But at the end of the day, they're going up against the number one seed. I think it would be ridiculous not to give Baltimore the respect that they deserve, you know, and come in at somewhere like six points or three points or something like that. Maybe the Texans keep it closer. Um, they did play the Ravens, but it was the first game of the season. CJ Stroud's first game as a professional football player. And I don't know that you can really count that. The Ravens weren't even fantastic in the beginning of the season either. So. That's your 4.30 game on Saturday. Then you have the night game on Saturday, and that is your other divisional winner. So it is the San Francisco 49ers, and they are hosting the Green Bay Packers. American Football, the British Way podcast friends and listeners, here's what I need you to do. I need you to somehow work with me to get rid of whatever bad juju I have laid out there that is allowing the Packers to continue to be successful. I want you to just light a candle or, you know, say a prayer or speak into the wind or do whatever you have to do because I cannot go through watching the Packers win again. It would be devastating. It would be a disaster. Most people that I know have the 49ers going to the Super Bowl in their brackets. So the idea that they would lose in the divisional round to the Packers, who are playing hot. I'm not even going to lie about it. They are playing hot, okay? They're a young team other than veterans like Aaron Jones, who had three flipping touchdowns last week. Uh, Disgusting. Wish I would have taken those odds because maybe I would be on a beach somewhere right now having a vacation. Uh, 
Okay, I never bet enough to get vacation money out of my winnings, but still. They're playing well. They do have some things that will be difficult. Uh, The Niners' defense is about as stacked as it can come. Uh, and, And then they reinforced it towards the end of the season. You know, so I think that they can hopefully stop the run. They have weapons in every single aspect of their offensive game uh, between Christian McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, you know, Debo Samuels. Like, they don't have issues moving the ball, uh, especially as long as Brock Purdy stays healthy enough. <laughs> um, and I, I think... A big part of what the Cowboys couldn't do to the Packers was run on them. The Cowboys have not had a good running game this season. They truly believed that Tony Pollard was going to be their number one back. And I think them losing Zeke, like Ezekiel Elliott, as that like strong back really messed with their running game. And they just were never able to fully get that game going, which is why Dak's stats looked amazing all year because he had to sling the ball. I digress. This is not about the Cowboys. My point is, if the Packers are unable to stop the run, the 49ers will not have any problem running all over them. And the line for that game is also nine and a half, looking at a total over of 50 and a half. So uh, they're expecting points, and it looks like they're expecting them to come out of the Niners for sure. Um, and so hopefully they win. That's your night game, 815 Uh, Saturday night. Oh, and luckily these games aren't doing the stupid thing that they did last week, which was, excuse me, which was put them on Peacock only. We had to watch Peacock to watch the Kansas City Dolphins game. And, And while I am very blessed and thankful, shout out to my girl Kendra for giving me a login so that I could watch Peacock. It is very sad that we are in this position where you have to have 37 subscription services to watch things. I get it, but like, low-key, y'all, that's what cable was, okay? You used to just pay for one big package, and you got all the things. And yeah, on occasion, you paid for a movie channel. Maybe your parents paid for that all-access pass, and you had the dirty channels, and you tried to sneak and watch them in the basement. Um, when they weren't paying attention because you just wanted to see what was going on and maybe somebody would slip a titty out. I don't know, but that I digress. The point is I shouldn't have to pay for 45 subscription services to get one football game. I recognize that they have primed us for this, ah, primed because now we have Thursday night games on Amazon, but really it's unfortunate. I literally saw an elderly woman complaining on Facebook about the fact that she couldn't watch football because she didn't have Peacock. So do do better capitalism. Uh, then Sunday, Sunday, you have also two games. Have you caught on to this is sad and depressing that we literally only have four games this weekend, Saturday and Sunday? I mean, at least it's Saturday and Sunday. But no Thursday night football, no Monday night football. It's just things are coming to an end. Um, Yeah, Sunday, your first game, your first game's at 3 p.m. That's another thing that is like we don't have a true night game. Your first game's at 3 p.m. That's the Bucks at Lions. Line is a little bit tighter, a little bit tighter on this one. So Uh, The spread is only six and a half in favor of the Lions, 49 and a half total. And I, I think the Lions should be able to do it, but they have to keep their foot on the gas the whole game. It is very clear. Baker Mayfield has always been a scrappy type of quarterback who's always going to try to do whatever it takes to, you know, move the ball down the field. Um, He does have weapons. He still has Mike Evans. He still has Chris Godwin. Like, there are things that they can do. But I think if the Lions come in hot and early, um, you know, run it down their throats, you have Jameer Gibbs, you have David Montgomery, you know, make sure that you are utilizing them the best as possible. Um, Luckily, you still have your rookie tight end that's doing fantastic. You have Amon St. Brown, shout out Sun God, who's 
fantastic, you know, so hopefully the Lions can do this because yes, they are a divisional rival to the Bears. However, I feel like the Bears and the Lions have shared an understanding for a long time that we both suck. <laughs> like neither one of us has been very good. Um, I have seen the Bears go to the Super Bowl in my lifetime, just so we're clear. They did not win. They lost to the Indianapolis Colts, but I did at least get to watch them go to a Super Bowl. But it was almost 20 years ago at this point. Like it is time that we all do better everybody except the Green Bay Packers. So I'm, I'm hoping to see the Lions pull out a win here. Then your night game is 6.30 p.m. It's the game. To me, it's the game of the weekend. And I say that because it's the game that I expect to be the closest. I expect to elicit the most feelings. This has become a rivalry of you know, exciting, exciting things. Like these two teams playing against each other have actually affected rule change in the NFL. So it is the Kansas City Chiefs at the Buffalo Bills. The line there is only two and a half in favor of the Bills right now, which mm, feels like a trap. Uh, feels like a trap. Totals at 45 and a half. Feels like a trap. Um, the Bills have home field advantage, yes, but Kansas City knows what it's like to play in the cold. They are dealing with snowmageddon once again, uh, where they are having players, not players, <laughs> definitely not players, where they're having people in there trying to shovel out the stadium and make everything good to go. And um, it should be, it should make for a great game. Both teams are 11 and 6. Uh, this is, you know, your AFC divisional playoffs. Like they deserve to play each other in the playoffs. I'm, I'm happy to see that the Bills pulled it together enough to even make it. What's it going to look like? James Cook running on the side of the Bills. Isaiah Pacheco running on the side of the Chiefs. You know, will Travis Kelsey actually score another touchdown? Buddy boy, it's been a little while used to be a touchdown machine. It used to be a no-brainer to throw you in a touchdown parlay, and now it feels like you can barely catch the ball. And I'm not going to blame Taylor, because I think that's silly. I think it's silly when we blame people that aren't in pads for what's happening on the field other than the coaches. But like, it's not a good coincidence, bud. It, it doesn't look good, Okay. So, I mean, it just, please, please, Taylor fans, don't come after me. I'm on your side. What I'm trying to tell you is I don't think that it should affect, you know, I don't, I don't think that saying that Taylor Swift is the reason that Travis Kelsey's having a little bit of an off year, um, but the things don't look good together, right? We, we see that. What it has done is bring new fans to the game of football, and for that I will be forever grateful. I love having girlfriends actually be interested in what's happening because of it. It'll be interesting to see what happens. I'm really hoping the Bills can pull it together, and I don't really have anything against the Chiefs, except for the fact that I just, you know, they just won last year. Like, let's let's have a new story. Let's have something different to talk about. Maybe this can be it for them, and they can move on. Patrick Mahomes hasn't had to play a road playoff game. That is a wild statement. They have been so good that he's been playing at home. Uh, so having him have to go to Buffalo, you know, should be interesting to see. One other thing I wanted to talk about this week that we haven't really talked about yet and dived into, dove into, is the fact that there are a plethora of head coaching opportunities available and open this season. And actually, we're looking at potentially the best class of available coaches out there. So some huge coaching names have completely changed at the end of this season. Uh, and as I go through the teams, I'll talk about, you know, who they lost and who's moving on. But there's definitely a lot of things available. First and foremost, the Los Angeles Chargers fired their coach in season. They had Brandon Staley as their coach. And, 
you know, the Chargers just paid their supposed to be franchise quarterback, Justin Herbert. Um, it was expected that they would be doing a lot better than they did, but they really just had a full-blown collapse this year. And now that job is considered like the most desirable job available right now in the NFL because first of all, you get to live in California. So people love the weather. Secondly, you already have a quarterback that is out and ready to play um, and supposedly good. Although I feel like he keeps getting hurt, but that's just me. I mean, I guess you can't really do anything about that. If you are protected, then it becomes not your fault. I don't know. I am not a Justin Herbert stan the way that a lot of people are. I think he's good, but I think he needs to prove something. I think he got lucky that he got paid. Um, And that's just what you do with quarterbacks nowadays. So you can't really avoid it. But I think the person that is looking at becoming the coach of this job is looking to put together the pieces underneath Herbert that will make them successful. Uh, And right now it's looking like a former head coach of Michigan's football team, uh, brother to head coach of the Baltimore Ravens, Harbaugh. It's looking like he might end up being the coach. Uh, They did interview him already. There are rules in the NFL about how many interviews you have to do for coaching. Now, um, they made rules to try to make sure that people of color were getting an equal position or an equal chance at the position. So let me look up the exact rule, actually. So here's your base education for this podcast episode. We have the Rooney rule in the NFL. Let me give you the NFL's official statements on the Rooney rule. Okay. The NFL adopted the Rooney rule in 2003 based on recommendations made by the league's workplace diversity committee. It was named after then chairman of the committee, Dan Rooney, the late owner of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay. Over the years, the rule has expanded to include a greater number of positions across NFL clubs. In 2009, the policy was amended to include general manager jobs and equivalent front office positions. But basically it is their to focus on the fact that there was a historically low number of minorities in head coaching positions. So this rule was enacted to make sure that people that were qualified were actually getting interviewing spots. Okay. Um, In November 2020, Team Overs approved a proposal rewarding teams who develop minority talent that went on to become GMs or head coaches. In 2021, the NFL approved changes requiring that every team to interview at least two external minority candidates for open head coaching positions and at least one external minority candidate for a coordinator job. Additionally, at least one minority and or female candidate must be interviewed for senior level positions. I just love, I just absolutely love that women get to get in the and or category. Okay. Um, I don't love it. I think it's absolutely ridiculous that this is the way that we have to write the rules that you have to say, oh, at least one minority and or female candidate, because heaven forbid, um, females just also need to be looked at. uh, And And that comes from a line of, of course, well, how many women are already ready and available to be head coaches or defensive coordinators or offensive coordinators, et cetera, et cetera. But like you have to have women in role and in positions to start moving up to begin with, right? Maybe it's just me because I work in the automotive industry and my business is very male focused and male centered. Also, my job in particular is very male-focused and male-centered. Women often don't do my job, and I believe it's not because they can't. It's because they don't know that it's a job that's available and accessible to them and something that can make them a good living and that they can excel at. And I would say the same thing is for women in professional football. I guarantee you there are women out there that are ready to be offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators, you know, lineback coaches, quarterback coaches, etc. You have a head coach right now in the Miami Dolphins head coach that can clearly prove that you don't have to be a superstar athlete in order to be a successful coach. And 
while it's helpful to have played the game, I think it is very clear that you can have a full and thorough understanding of the rules of the game, playmaking, etc. to be successful. And therefore, a woman could absolutely do that. Okay, I know I went down a little bit of a rabbit hole there, but I just wanted to be clear that when I read stuff that says like minority and or damn, how am I supposed to feel as a double minority? How am I supposed to feel that like, oh, well, I'm a woman and okay, and I'm mixed race and um, I'm a woman that likes women and all these things. Okay, either way. I'm just saying it's good that they have things in place like this, but ultimately, like when you look at the history of the NFL, it's sad that it, it got to the point where I'm still naming that in 2021, they have approved changes. That is very recent. Um, following the 2022 Spring League meeting, NFL teams are now required to conduct outside interviews with a minority and or female candidate for vacant QB coach positions. Uh, With many prospective head coaches beginning their careers in the QB room, the ruling is expected to help increase the hiring of minority head coaches in the future. We went down this rabbit hole 100% just to talk about the fact that there are a lot of positions that are available right now for head coaches that are desirable. And this is why you don't find out that like, oh, they this team spoke to this player. I mean, not player. This team spoke to this candidate that they would like to hire. And then they're immediately hired. It is important that the press is out there, that they are interviewing and talking to multiple people. Now, one of the positions was just completed. Okay. The Patriots lost their head coach in Bill Belichick, who coached them through many Super Bowls. Uh, It was him and Tom Brady together, just running the show in New England for a very long time. However, the past couple years, they've been on a downward trajectory. They don't have a good quarterback. Uh, They thought maybe Mac Jones could be the quarterback of their future, and it turns out that's not likely. So they had a terrible losing season this year, and now they have parted ways. And Bill Belichick, probably the greatest NFL coach uh, ever to be in our existence is available to coach elsewhere. And they have already filled his position in New England. Now, for that team who's had Bill Belichick as their coach for as long as they have, it makes sense that they had somebody that they were already expecting lined up to fill his position. Um, And then add in that that person is a minority in Gerard Mayo, that is their new head coach. Um, the rule is now null and void because they hired a minority coach. <laughs> so they did the thing that they were supposed to do. But uh, to circle back, Chargers looking like that they are the number one most desirable place to um, have a new head coach. We do have several other teams, though, that still need a coach. The Atlanta Falcons fired their head coach at the end of the season, so they need a new coach. Uh, they have actually talked to Bill Belichick a couple of times now. Uh, They did talk to Jim Harbaugh. They are talking to different people. They have to, but mm, they've talked to Bill Belichick more than once now, as it's been reported in the news. So it looks like that could be a possible landing place for him, which would be really interesting. Uh, That division is weak. They could have won their division. They need a better quarterback. Uh, They tried Desmond Ritter. He was the quarterback of the University of Cincinnati, so I have watched his game. However, he could be a great backup, probably, but he shouldn't be a starter. They also have Taylor Heineke, and that didn't fully work out, so they really need to do something at quarterback. They probably need to trade for a quarterback, uh, get somebody in there with some veteran talent to help them out, uh, because they have good weapons. You know, they have number one new running back out there that didn't really get to play the way that he should have this last season, uh, which is probably a big part of the reason why their their head coach is gone. So could be a desirable landing spot if the coach is going to be given some room to work with how to fill in that important role of quarterback. Then you have the Seattle Seahawks parting ways with their superstar head coach and Pete Carroll, also one of the best football coaches ever to be from college to the NFL. Um, It's talked about the fact that Pete Carroll was offered a position, basically, excuse me, he was offered a position in the front office. They didn't exactly say what, but they left open the fact that they like him, but it was time for him to move out of head coach. So 
who's going to end up in Seattle. Uh, that's an interesting position to see as well. Uh, will Pete Carroll go somewhere else to coach or will he decide to stay and work in the head office and the front office? I don't know. One other positive is that the Las Vegas Raiders have been working with an interim head coach, Antonio Pierce, for the last several games of the season, uh, and the players love him. He is a player's coach. There have been superstar players on that team who said they were ready to ride or die with him. They do not want to play for anybody else. They are willing to put their contracts on the line to play for him. And as of today, it is looking like it is being reported that they are working out their deal to secure him as the head coach. So that's really awesome, too. I think that, you know, they were in a situation very recently where they had an interim head coach that the players wanted and their owner decided to go in a different direction. And now they're already ready for a new head coach. So clearly it might be time to listen to your players. I mean, part of the biggest thing in head coaching is like being able to pump up your team and making them want to play for you. And obviously that's not an issue for Antonio Pierce. So he deserves to be the Raiders head coach. And it looks like he's going to have an official agreement coming out here this weekend. Then you have the Washington commanders. They have a new owner. Um, I believe, and don't quote me, but I believe that they have officially hired a new GM who, Um, It is their first time as an NFL GM, but that's okay. Uh, There's going to be some learning curves there. Commanders did a little bit of a fire sale when it came to their best players on defense. Um, They're going to need put back together. They're definitely in a rebuild. They might not even have the same name in the next coming year or so because they were terrible name and then they went to being the Washington football team and now they're the Washington commanders and nobody feels really set on the name Um, but either way they need a coach they don't have one yet this feels like the kind of place that they're going to get somebody who's on the rise I mean they were willing to hire you know a first-time GM so I feel like maybe they're going to give a shot to a defensive coordinator or an offensive coordinator from from a team that's performing well uh, and give them their first chance at head coach. I don't think that it would be my desire to land at the commanders. But then again, um, head coaches have guaranteed contracts. So get your bag. (laughs) Do what you got to do. You still be the coach of an NFL team. And that's fantastic. So again, I wouldn't really want to coach there, but If they offered to me, I mean, I would take it. Then what felt like in a shocking turn of events, the Tennessee Titans uh, decided to part ways with their head coach, Mike Vrabel. That man was able to win games with Ryan Tannehill. Um, So that's a feat in itself. Obviously, their roster needs a reset. You know, they had traded away their best wide receiver in A.J. Brown. Um, Their best running back weapon is likely not to be there again next year. Um, They do have, you know, some youth in quarterbacks. They have, you know, Will Levis, who came from the University of Kentucky, and he had a decent rookie season. He got hurt a little bit, but um, there's definitely some promise there for him in Tennessee, but they're going to need some things around him uh, to, to happen you know, and pull everything together in order for them to become a winning team again. Uh, I definitely thought that Mike Vrabel could have been that coach. Uh, so it was a little surprising to hear that he was gone and then even more surprising to hear that he wasn't going to get the position in New England uh, as a former player. And, you know, it just seemed like a good fit. Uh, but he's available. That means he's available to be a coach somewhere and they need a head coach. So look to hear something about that in the coming times. And then, of course, Carolina Panthers, just a full-blown disaster. I don't know who would want to work for their owner. That's another situation where, like, okay, at least you are a head coach. But, ooh, the Panthers fumbled the bag hard. Here's the thing about when you draft. There is no way to know who's going to become a true superstar and who's going to flop. And they traded away everything they had in order to get last year's number one pick from my Chicago Bears. And my Bears fleeced them. They got DJ Moore. They got this year's first round pick out of the Panthers, which turns out to be the number one pick. So it looks like we still got a number one pick. Uh, They got several other round picks too. I mean, just really swooped up 
swooped in and got it done. Uh, and now they need a head coach, the Panthers. And I, I don't know who wants to go there. You know, it's really sad because it was an organization that had some great players um, who are now all still doing well and playing for other teams. You know, DJ Moore did great in Chicago. Uh, And if you've ever heard of a guy named Christian McCaffrey, you'd know that he's pretty good too. Uh, So it's, it's just strange, like what the Panthers had and have managed to just foil away. Uh, It's going to take somebody strong in there to turn everything around and then deal with uh, an owner who's pouring his drink on people from his owner's suite. (laughs) Not fun at all. Then there's teams that we really thought would change head coaches. Um, And by we, I mean me. And by teams, I mean the Chicago Bears. I'm going to just take one moment to pour one out for the Chicago Bears because for whatever reason... And that, I mean, I'm sticking by my mans, okay? My mans, Ryan Poles, our general manager, he really, he did a great job last year with the draft. Uh, he did a nice job in season getting Montez Sweat to the Bears. And, he, you know, we're making moves. However, I don't know what Eberflus, our head coach, has on the Bears and the Bears organization. But somehow we have decided to keep him for yet another year. And here's where this pisses me off. Okay, let's just get into a rant for a minute. If the Bears make the decision to draft a quarterback with the number one pick, you are drafting a quarterback into a head coach who was willing to utilize their current quarterback poorly the majority of two full seasons. This man had a losing streak that was almost an entire calendar year long and we didn't get rid of him they cleared house of about pretty much every other coordinator in position and coach in position except for him and i don't understand why they think he's the exception and not the rule I don't get it because I don't want Caleb Williams first and foremost. Um, That is not of interest to me. The man said he didn't even want to play in Chicago. He, I don't want somebody that doesn't want us. And also he's a crybaby and I don't like it. I want to keep Justin Fields. I want to deal the number one pick. I want to get Marvin Harrison Jr. I want to strengthen the offensive line. I want to make sure that we're calling proper run design plays for Justin Fields because he is a mobile quarterback. I want to make sure that when Justin Fields is proving that he can connect to DJ Moore, that they keep letting him pass the ball. And none of these are things that are happening under Eberflus's role. Maybe they're thinking that it'll happen when they have a new offensive coordinator and they have a new quarterback coach or et cetera, et cetera. But here's the T they have now interviewed Cliff Kingsbury. Do you know who Cliff Kingsbury is? Oh, well he was the coach of the Arizona Cardinals. Do you know why he coached the Cardinals? Because he was Kyler Murray's coach in college. And do you know who's coaching Caleb Williams at USC? Cliff Kingsbury. I mean, I think the math is mathing in the direction of keeping the number one pick and taking a quarterback, and I don't like it. It makes me sad. I was finally ready to be bought in to the Justin Fields train, and now it feels like the train is falling off the tracks. Uh, and with and, and, and with talking about the fact that the team might move out of Soldier Field and into the suburbs and everything like that, like feels like everything is falling apart. Um, And I'm not going to stop being a Bears fan. I just want them to get their head out of their butts and make a decision because none of us fans want to continue rebuilding every single year. Deal the pick. Get 300 more picks for all I care, but figure out a way to work around these stupid issues. It truly doesn't make any sense that they can't do a better job in working with what we already have. Okay. Uh, also, I mean, I, I mentioned briefly earlier that uh, the Cowboys are keeping their their coach. Um, okay. Really, 
their owner is running the team anyway more than any other owner is running a team. Uh, he's an owner, general manager, so I guess he figures since he's in charge, he can figure out what to do. I don't know. Um, also, there was a lot of talk that the Steelers could be parting ways with Mike Tomlin, and that man has had you know plus 500 seasons for like 13 years uh, and also the Steelers never fire anybody so I don't really think that that's a concern either I'm pretty sure that he's playing out the last year of his contract so uh, he they talked about you know getting a new quarterback so we'll uh, look forward to seeing what kind of moves they make there there are some quarterbacks out and available too you know, uh, Russell Wilson is going to look for a landing spot. Kirk Cousins might not end up staying with the Vikings. Uh, there's a lot of moves to be made if Chicago <sighs> if Chicago decides to draft Caleb Williams. It makes the most sense for them to move Justin Fields somewhere. And I am just deathly afraid that Justin Fields is going to go to a more competent coaching team and go deep into the playoffs to potentially win somebody else's Super Bowl because I would be fully distraught. I was not distraught when Mitch Trubisky, who, by the way, did get us to the playoffs, thank you very much, went on to have a lackluster career elsewhere. I get it. We draft Mitch. We didn't draft Patrick Mahomes. We didn't draft Deshaun Watson. This is the story, yada, yada. They're all in the same class. But you don't know that you have Patrick Mahomes at that time. You just don't. Um, What if we draft Caleb Williams and we ruin him? What if he could have been the next Patrick Mahomes? What if he could be having a CJ Stroud-like rookie season, and yet he ended up with the Bears and couldn't get a running start literally or figuratively there's no there's no way to know unless you do it but oh that is not the position that i want to be in i don't have a football jeopardy for you this week because i just want you to focus on the playoffs so get some bets in you know try to try to see what you can do it's only a few games saturday and sunday throw some props out there you know you're gonna have some fresh legs on the niners and the ravens i expect lamar to run his tail off i expect christian mccaffrey to run the brakes off the packers defense i definitely see david montgomery in the end zone i see amon Ra in the end zone i see brandon Ayuk in the end zone you know throw some stuff out there and see what lands if you don't feel comfortable putting parlays together because you're worried that one leg is going to make your whole thing not hit, throw some singles out there that you feel good about. Look at some close odds. Try to pick up the plus 100s, plus 120s. It's like that means it's slightly unlikely to happen, but chances are you have a good shot at winning that bet. Enjoy football. There's not that much of it left. Bye.